You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. We are in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26 is what we're going to be studying and, and, and learning out of this morning. And so I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, I have it up on the PowerPoint screen. Or as always, there's Bibles by the doors when you come and you can grab one and, and, and use it. But uh, let's read Matthew 8, uh, excuse me, Mark 8, 22 through 26. It says this. <clears throat> when they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus. And they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said, I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and his eyes were opened. His sight was completely restored, and he, and he could see thing, everything clearly. Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village on your way home. Um, this is the word of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your, your living and active, infallible word that we, that we have this morning. This section of text that you have us in, we thank you that we get to see you interact with humanity, and we can learn from it and glean from it and understand more about you from reading it and studying it. And we ask, Lord, that just as the blind man was that could not see, once he was with you and you healed him, he could see, see you very clearly. God, we ask in, in our own lives that this morning, God, you would open, your, open our eyes to see you. You would open our eyes to behold your glory and what you're doing in our midst. And God, in a, in, a, in a spiritual sense, our spiritual eyes, that you would open them to the things of God. God, that you would go before us this morning, that you would speak to each and every one of us in exactly the way that, that we need to be spoken to this morning. Thank you that you are a good father that loves his kids. And so we ask God that you would do that this morning through your word. You would anoint our time. You would anoint me to expound and explain your word this morning. That everything that we do this morning would give you all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing our study in the book of Mark. And this miracle this morning might seem pretty simple or commonplace because if you've been with us, I mean, Jesus has done some pretty incredible, amazing, unbelievable things like raising people from the dead and forgiving sin and um, exercising demonic powers from people and feeding thousands of people. This might seem pretty commonplace, but actually it's a lot more complex and rich that meets the eye. And one important note is that even in the book of Mark, this, the, the middle of chapter 8 is actually a turning point. 
There's actually like two acts or two parts of the book of Mark. And the first act is everything so far to the middle of chapter 8. And from the middle of chapter 8 to the end of the book of Mark or the gospel of Mark is act 2, so to speak. It has two parts in it. And the first act, everything we've studied since the church started back in October, has primarily been Jesus demonstrating his divine nature through things like this, through signs and wonders and miracles, and his he's, prophecy has been fulfilled, and everything thus far, Mark has been really purposeful by what he's written to communicate something about Jesus. And that something is that people are seeing that Jesus is the Messiah. Because of his words and his deeds and his teachings and all that he's done, the nation of Israel is becoming to see that, man, this may be the Messiah or this is the Messiah. The Messiah being the chosen one, the one that Israel was waiting for, that the prophets in the Old Testament had spoken about, that one day this person, the Messiah, would come and it would set the nation of Israel free from the bondage of political oppression and social oppression. This was the chosen one, the prophesied one. And so this first act thus far has been demonstrating that. All eight chapters of Mark, in a nutshell, have been demonstrating that Jesus is the Son of God, and he is the Messiah that was prophesied about. But not everyone is believing that. A lot are. There are followers. There are disciples. But a lot are just crowds. And there's mixed feelings about who Jesus is. Even the disciples last week had trouble understanding and grasping that Jesus was who he said he was, or he was able or capable to provide for their needs, right? Remember them being hungry in the boat after Jesus feeding the multiple thousands of people? They're still arguing about not having enough bread to eat. They're just not getting it. They're still missing him. They're failing to completely grasp everything that Jesus is and who he is and what it means for their lives. And so many have mixed feelings, and some are still missing him, like the disciples. And they see Jesus, but their spiritual eyes, so to speak, are not seeing him completely. They're, they're failing to grasp who he is and the effect that they're having on their lives. But thus far, that's what we've seen. And so Act 2, which kind of starts today and kind of ends, goes all the way to the end of the book of Mark, Jesus drills down and exposes his true mission, why he really came. These miracles, these signs, these, these exorcisms of demons, these are all wonderful, amazing things that point to God. But the real reason that Jesus came gets revealed. It's that he came to die for humanity in their place to take their sin so that their sins could be forgiven so that they could be right before God. And it wasn't just for the nation of Israel. It wasn't just for Jews. It was for Gentiles also. Every man, woman, and child that walks the earth, past, present, and future, it was for them. 
And next week, we're going to see this interaction between Peter and the disciples and Jesus at this, at this place called Caesarea Philippi. If you've been to Israel, it's this pretty dramatic place with high cliffs that was a really significant place that we'll talk about next week a bit more. But there's this interaction, there's this dialogue between Jesus and the disciples. And next week, the turning point is Jesus asks them, who do people say that I am? You've been with me. You've seen me. Who do people say that I am? And there's a little bit of bickering. There's a little arguing. Peter actually, for the first time ever, sees Jesus clearly. I mean, for a moment. We'll, get, we'll see that next week. But he says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. Right? The whole point that Jesus has trying to be proved, Peter answers. Um, and then Jesus says, yes. And he says, but I have to go to the cross. But the Son of God must die. He must die in order to complete the mission. And Peter's response isn't as favorable. He actually starts rebuking Jesus. We'll get into that next week. But nonetheless, today we see this healing of this man as somewhat random. But really, it's this turning point in the entire book of Mark. And even though it seems pretty simple... Where it lands in Mark between last week and next week and the whole of Scripture, it's really important. And it's important to remember that when Jesus was performing all these physical miracles, specifically like healing a blind man today, there was always a deeper spiritual meaning that he wanted us to learn from. Like it was good and awesome that he did all these things, but there was more to it. He was using these physical miracles to try to teach a deeper spiritual lesson. That's why last week the disciples were fighting over food in the boat. And Jesus said, don't you get it? It's not about the food. It's about me being God and me being able to meet all your needs. And you're just tripped up with a little bread. When Jesus performed miracles like this blind man today being healed, there's always a deeper meaning to be learned. And throughout scripture, specifically with blindness, there's a correlation between physical blindness or spiritual blindness. In the same way, scripture would refer to Egypt. When the children of Israel were enslaved under Pharaoh in Egypt, when they were freed from Egypt, that's an Old Testament picture of sin, what sin does to us. We are in bondage to sin, but God frees us from our sin, and now we freely can be with him. We're freed from the bondage of our sin. And so even references to Egypt in the Bible are references to sin. In, this, <coughs> excuse me, in the same way, the Bible speaks of our spiritual condition often in this visual imagery. That we were lost and now we're found. That we were blind and now we see. Right? It's pretty, pretty foundational to the gospel, this terminology and this imagery. And prior to knowing Jesus, see, we all were in bondage to sin. We were lost, we were unaware, and we were blinded. We were literally blinded to the truth. The devil literally deceived us, and we were blinded. We, we all thought at one point before that the cross is foolishness. And the Bible tells us that, that if we don't believe, that we think it that way. We are so blinded, we are so deceived, we're so lost, that when we look to Jesus, when we look to the truth, when we look to the cross, we literally think it's foolishness. 
But when we come to know Jesus, our spiritual eyes, so to speak, they're opened, right? We're found, we're freed from the bondage, we're unblinded to the lies. And even when we initially come to Jesus and we start knowing him, even after that, even after that initial time where our eyes are open and we come to know the Lord, we're still works in progress. And it's not always like overnight, we just, our eyes are open, we see the truth, everything that we knew is now, is now gone. Yes, positionally, that is true. We are new creations. The moment that God saves you, you're a new creation, the old has passed and the new has come. But we practically are still works in progress. We still are in a process to become like Jesus. And many times our spiritual sight or our understanding of God grows over time. We, we know this, or we should know this, right? Because the longer you're a Christian, you realize, okay, wow, I still need God's grace daily. Or I still aren't grasping and I'm not living out fully what I should. And I, and I seem to get tripped up and stumble. And so many times it feels like I just am missing Jesus. Well, it's okay. We're in the same boat because we're works in progress. The disciples last week were in this process of seeing Jesus more clearly. And what we see today is, yes, a blind man physically seen once again. But there's more to it. What Jesus is trying to get at, what the story is telling us is that we all are blind. We all do not see Jesus clearly, but he, 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 he leads us to a place and over time to a place where we do see him clearly. And this very much today is an illustration of how we can approach the Lord and how the Lord deals with us knowing our need for him. That's what's neat about it. It's, it's a total physical, quick, four-verse miracle, but there's so much depth to it because it really does speak to our own spiritual blindness um, in seeing Jesus clearly. And so what stands out to me, and I think uh, three practical things that we can see from this text today are these. Number one, that our faith is supposed to be lived out in community. We'll see that because his friends brought this man to Jesus. Number two is how Jesus, the way in which Jesus led this blind man. Once his friends brought him to Jesus, Jesus actually took this man's hand and led him out of the city. There's some significance there. And also, it, it's important that we see that Jesus' healing was actually progressive. It, it was in two stages. It wasn't right away. It wasn't with a word. But this one, this specific miracle alone is unique because Jesus heals in steps or in progression. So the first thing that I think we should note this morning that applies to us is these friends or these buddies or these family members, whoever they were, brought this blind man to Jesus. And you have to understand this guy couldn't have done it on his own, right? He's blind. Who knows where Jesus is? I mean, there's a lot of obstacles in his way. I mean, this guy is fully blind. He's fully visually impaired. He cannot see anything. But he comes to Jesus. The only way he comes to Jesus is through community. 
And what this reminds us is that of the importance of doing life in community. See, this blind man, he had to be vulnerable with his friends. He had to be honest. He had to share these needs, even though it was pretty obvious. This man had to be in community and share those needs in order for his friends even to want to bring him. It is so important that we too have a community surrounding us that'll help us get to Jesus. Because let's be honest, most of the time or a lot of time when we're really hurting, when we're really in need, when we are not seeing Jesus clearly, it's really hard for us on our own to just go and get Jesus. Sometimes we don't know how. Sometimes we just don't have the strength. Sometimes we're so lost and so depressed and so clouded by whatever that the only way that we can get to Jesus is people around us doing it for us. And that's just even one of the main reasons why we would be doing Ohana groups right now is being intentional about having people in our lives that can bring us to Jesus, like when we can't ourselves. That's the beauty and that's the design of the body of Christ, that we're all different. We all have different giftings, and we all have strengths, and we all have weaknesses at different times so that we can come together and we can meet each other's needs and bring each other to Jesus. For this blind man, he could not do this on his own. He needed the help of his friends and his family. And those around him with faith that were surrounding him literally brought him to the feet of Jesus. They're the ones that led him to Jesus. We need this. We, we need people in our lives to like, hey, if we aren't at church for a while or if we stop going to group or we just hear something, we need those people that give us a call. I know sometimes we hate it because like, why are, you, why are you checking on me? But we need those people because in and of ourselves, we're like this blind man that we're so prone to wander and sometimes we're so weak and frail that we need other people to say, come, like, come with me. For me, that's the, the way I kept going to church was that same friend, that same family saying, hey, I'll pick you up, be there at nine. You're like, whoa, 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 what? You're like, I'll be there at nine. I'm, wait, I'm, I'm gonna pick you up and I'm gonna bring you to the feet of Jesus when you can't and when you don't want to. We need people like these guys that would beg Jesus for our friends, right? That's what they were doing. They not only brought this guy to Jesus' feet, but they actually were begging Jesus to heal him. And that's what prayer is. Like when someone around us is hurting, when we're hurting, the purpose of doing life in community is so that people can, in prayer, beg God to meet us. Or that when we're hurting, we have people doing that for ourselves. And it's such a rich picture right here of even the season we're entering into as a church, but, but this incredible reminder that we're prone to wander and we need others to help us. So if you're not in a group, join a group. If you don't have a community, join a group. If you have a community, amen, awesome, stay in that community. Um, you get the picture. The second thing that stands out in a really tangible way that I, I think really communicates the Lord's heart in how he heals us, how he leads us, is the fact that, I mean, just think about this. The fact that this blind man was brought by his friends, his, his friends are begging Jesus to heal him. Normally, Jesus just heals the guy. 
That's what happens. Someone's got some faith. Someone believes that Jesus can do it. And in a word, in a moment, he does it. That's not what happens here. Jesus takes this man's hand and he leads him out of the city. Just Jesus and this guy with his hand that leads him out of the city. I mean, think about that. It's a really intimate thing to hold someone's hand, especially for a blind man. If someone's leading you, that, you got to trust that person. I mean, it's a big deal that he's leading you out of the city. You don't really know this Jesus guy. This guy's fully blind, and there's a lot of obstacles. And Jesus just slowly is holding this man. And, and if you think about it, Jesus would have to, just as if you were leading someone that was blind, have to say, hey, hey, stop. Don't, don't. There's a step coming up. And he would be gently leading him. He'd be gently leading him to a place where he could be with him and heal him. And, you know, I, I've, I've slightly done that just for short distances with someone that is visually impaired. But in a small way, I can understand because my son, okay, my son is not blind, but he is two years old. And so walking with him, like, intersections, parking lots, is pretty crazy. So this is my son. I love him so much. He's amazing. This is Liam. He's two years old. And so even this week, um, we were doing some errands in Kailua. I had to go to Target. I had to get a safety check for my truck. Brought Liam along. So we park, and he's so excited about everything. He, 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 he doesn't just stay still either. And so this was an adventure. So we were getting the safety check. I said, okay, we got to go to Target. And so leading Liam from the Midas to target, not far distance, but man, there's a lot of action going on, right? There's intersections, there's lots of chickens, parking lots we had to walk through. I mean, so this guy, I had to like, I mean, really be careful of because he just is, you know, going for it. But I can, but I can understand in a second, even though he isn't blind, at the same time, he couldn't do that without me. He couldn't. And he needs me to hold his hand. He needs me to like protect him and show him where things are or not and what he can and can't do because in and of himself, he can't. And I, I needed to be slow and patient and kind and speak a lot to him and watch out for so many obstacles that he would get hurt on. And what's so neat is that this is a picture of God's heart for us. When we come to him with a need, the way in which he deals with us is he's like this wonderful, amazing father that takes our hand and knows exactly what we need and he just leads us. I think we think sometimes he's going to punish us or he's going to like be bummed at us or, or we got to clean ourselves up before we even come to him. But that's not the case here. This blind man came to him and he took his hand and he led him very gently, very slowly outside of the city to a place where he could heal him. And it just speaks of God's, how he leads us by his quiet voice and his strong character. And when we're in need, and if we allow him to, Jesus will kindly lead us to himself. All right, so many times we fight it. Like just like Liam, he, he so many times wanted to pull his hand from mine to go do something else. But if we allow the Lord to lead us, he will do it very kindly and very sweetly in order that we may be healed, in order that we may encounter Jesus and see him clearly. That is so unique to this miracle that Jesus did this for this blind man. He did it in this way. But also what's significant is the progressive way that Jesus healed this guy. I mean, right, like, 
This seems so strange. Like, this is weird. It's almost like Jesus was trying out like a new trick. Let me try this like spit in the eye trick. That's what he did, right? He spit in this guy's eyes and then he's like, did it work? That's what he says. Did, did it work? And the guy's like, well, not really. I, I can see, you know, like people and they look like trees. You know, it's not Lord of the Rings here, you know, the tree people. This is so weird to me. Like, Jesus spits in a guy's eye. He asks, hey, did it work? The guy says, not really. And Jesus says, okay, let me try it again. I mean, it doesn't really say that. But that's what it's getting at here. I mean, he partially healed this guy, it seems. And then Jesus asks, did it work? I mean, think about that. Like, that doesn't usually happen. That's actually never happened. It always just works. Your faith has made you well. You had a disease, now you don't. You were dead, and now you're alive. You want your sins to be given? Sure. You want your demon to be cast out of your daughter? Sure. There's nothing he cannot do, but it's very interesting that it's progressive here. See, the thing is, is that there's much more going on in this man than just his physical blindness. See, every step of the way, you have to, you have to see that his faith, faith excuse me, is being increased. When his eyes can just barely see, right, these people that look like trees, you can understand that this excitement that this man must have, I mean, he hasn't seen. And now this man has partially let him see. And so you can understand that there is faith being grown in this man, that this, even this halfway healing must have been a boost to his belief. But then obviously Jesus goes on and he completely restores his sight. And so even though there was physical healing, there was also spiritual life in this man at this point. And what's significant for us and true for us is that it ta sometimes takes longer for us to see what Jesus is doing. It just, it just sometimes we're just a little bit slow to it, right? We, we fail to grasp, we forget, we, we miss what he's doing. Right? We're so maybe clouded with our own stuff. Our vision of Christ is maybe dim sometimes. And what's true is our road to faith and our trust in Jesus may not be immediate. It normally is a process. In Acts chapter 9, you know, it was Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was this Christian killer. He was a persecutor of the church. And Jesus meets him in a very dramatic way. He actually blinds this guy named Saul. And this guy named Saul actually ends up giving his life to the Lord in that moment because he encounters Jesus. That Saul of Tarsus is Paul the Apostle. It's just different names. He has a radical, transformative moment in a second, like right then. And so much has changed. Not that Paul was perfect right then, but there was this dramatic conversion experience for Paul. Some of us have that story. Some of us don't. Some of us is just over a season, I came to know the Lord and I gave my trust in him. But for all of us that have given our life to the Lord, most times it's a process. For the disciples it was. Even last week they were having trouble seeing Jesus clearly and what it meant for them. And for us, sometimes it's just really hard to let go of ourselves. Like sometimes it's just really hard to get our own self out of our view. And we're so enamored with what we have and what we want in our lives that we miss out. 
that our view of God becomes marred or clouded because we're so wrapped up with our own stuff. And because of that, we aren't properly seeing Jesus clearly. And that messes quite a bit up. When we, in our spiritual eyes, in our spiritual life, aren't seeing Jesus clearly, it messes a lot up because it's not how it's designed to be. I mean, if you remember God's design back in the garden, in, back in Genesis, there was nothing in the way of Adam and Eve and God. They were in the garden, walking together, unashamed, with no obstacles and no barriers. There was no hindrances. I mean, there was literally nothing that was getting in the way of humanity seeing God. But what happened? Sin entered into the world, and sin messed everything up. Sin by nature is rebellion. It's separation. Sin and the effects of sin put up barriers and walls and obstacles, and it greatly clouds our vision to see God clearly. And so even though we might not be physically blind or physically visually impaired, we ourselves are still in the process of seeing Jesus clearly. Who he is, what he's done, how it relates to my life. For me, um, grew up, didn't grow up in the church, got saved junior high, grew a ton in high school in my faith. I mean, I mean incredible slope of sanctification. You know, just like on fire, just in it. But I would say from the end of high school till now, I've gone through phases, like in stages, right? Where sometimes I see Jesus like really clear and what he wants and, and I, I surrender and I'm, I'm in and I, everything's good. And I'm obeying God and I'm obeying his will. And, and there's other times where I really struggle and I have especially right after high school, that, that time where you have to figure out what you're doing, what school you're going to, what degree you're going to get, what job you're going to get, and you have to decide like your whole life at 16 years old these days. So crazy. But I'm in that season trying to figure out, and the allure of the world, man, I, I just remember being done with high school and being adult, and you're like, you can do anything you want. For the first time ever, like you could do anything you wanted. And man, that allure of this world was so hard to navigate my faith in. And for me, it wasn't that I just went and partied and like, you know, went off the deep end and did all that. But it was more, I was trying to serve God and money. I wanted both. I wanted everything the world had offered, but I still wanted Jesus. I wanted to serve him, I wanted to be involved in the church, but I wanted to make a ton of money and have this awesome life and like go on a ton of vacations and have a bunch of hobbies and I want both. And I really, really struggled with that. You know, I had the five, 10 year plan and this is how I'm gonna do it. Um, and my goal was how do I get the world and serve Jesus too? I wouldn't say it that way, but that's exactly what I was doing. And it really took me years to let that go. It took me from like 18 to 21, was, I, I was, that was my goal, kind of. Let me, let me try to get both. By God's grace, um, he began to progressively heal me and allow me to see him clearly. I can look back and I can see him leading me and I can see the times where I ripped my hand out of his, you know, like, no, I don't want to do that now. 
but I can see that by his grace, he was leading me. And the time where I finally gave up and gave in and said no to myself, and I said yes to Jesus, really it was yes to his will. I knew him. I was a follower of Jesus. I was a Christian. But the point when I really said, you know what, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do, like I give up. I began to see Jesus in such a profound way. You know, it's almost like the blinders came off and I was just living for something so entirely wrong and different. And God had so much more in store for me. And it reminds me of this blind man, right? That he couldn't see anything. And then all of a sudden, Jesus kind of pulled back the blinders and he sees things for the first time. You're like, oh my gosh. And Jesus said, I'm not done. I got more. He, and, he, and he heals him entirely. And this man sees perfectly clear, it says. And man, I, I, I know that moment when I was 21 and, I, and, and God, it was like that, it's like a Holy Spirit moment where God just took the blinders off my eyes and I no longer was living for myself. I, I began to live for him in a real tangible way. And um, I believe that's what's happening here in this man and what God desires for us as well is that God's heart for us is that we would see him that we would know him, that we would truly base our entire lives upon him, that we would not be too clouded with the things of this world or our own ambitions, but that we would see Jesus, right? He's willing, he's patient, he's kind, he loves us, he wants to lead us, he wants to heal us. But today, I believe looking at this text that we should really assess our own lives and ask ourselves the question, where am I not seeing Jesus clearly? Or where am I still living with myself in view? And for some of us, sin is what is preventing you from seeing Jesus and experiencing him to the fullest. Because again, sin and the effects of sin are, are, are bringing up walls and barriers and obstacles and you're not able to see Jesus clearly. When you're in sin and you're not repentant of it and you're just walking and doing your own things, like you're gonna, you're gonna have trouble experiencing Jesus and, and seeing him clearly. And so for for, for us today in that room that, that you feel like, you know what? Yeah, oh, that's me. The response today would be repentance. Repentance is saying, you know what? I see the error in my way, Lord. I don't want to do this anymore, but I need your help to. Here's my sin. Would you give me the power of your Holy Spirit to walk with you now? And when we do that, when we repent, when we, when we recognize, when we come before God with our sin, that's a, that's a tangible burden that we're giving to him that we're not supposed to be carrying. And what it does is it takes the blinders off our spiritual eyes and we begin to see and experience Jesus that much more. But what it takes is it takes being open and vulnerable before the Lord to let, let him do it, right? To let him lead us. But what I want to do is I want to just pray that our eyes would be opened to all that the Lord has and that we would truly grasp who God is, what he's done for us and what that means for us. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you are a God that deeply, deeply loves us and cares for us. Just as a father loves his kids even more than that, Lord, you sent your only son to die for us so that we would be with you. And God, I pray that we, maybe for some of us, 
we have not believed. We have not trusted in you, Jesus. We are completely blind to you and to spiritual things. I pray that you would open our eyes today, God. I pray that you, by the power of your spirit, would open our eyes to behold your glory and your goodness. For those of us that do know you, that are walking with you, that are attempting to follow Jesus, I pray, Lord, that we would not settle, but that we would even more, we would, we would experience and see you even more clearly. And so would you help us, though, God? Would you help us to assess and, and really, Holy Spirit, would you point out things that maybe are, are clouding our vision, that are getting in the way, that are keeping us from, from tasting and seeing that the Lord is good? God, we do not want to miss out what you have for us. We know that you are a God that has so much in store for us and that you're just waiting to, 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 to show us. You're waiting to speak to us. And so God, I pray that we would be a people that are just open to whatever you have. God, would you, would you surround us with community that would do the same for us? Would you, would you help us to have people in our lives that bring us to you when we, when we can ourselves? And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just empower us to live for you, that we be a people that decrease, that you would increase in our lives. That we would see less of us and more of you, Jesus, in our everyday work and family, with our priorities, with our time, with our resources that you've given us, that you would be exalted, that you would be magnified, and that uh, we would decrease. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.